It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. Welcome everybody to another great episode of the Revenue Maze. I love, love, love this guest. This is going to be so much fun today. Um, Yeah. I don't know many who literally wrote a children's book that trained 62 astronauts. I mean, that just sounds so much fun. And it may be behind him. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, and he gives star shows at a planetarium, which is really, really kind of cool. And recently he was on this really fabulous retreat that we're going to talk about a little bit. And he's a writer and author, and I'm going to let you wait for this one. I'm not going to tell you all about him at this point. We'll get that in the whole storyline. But welcome, Michael Neese. Super glad to have you on. Valerie Cobb. It's such an <laughs> honor to be here. I've heard your podcast, and it's uh, it's a privilege to be uh, counted among that that select few. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I am. I'm glad. I'm glad you've heard it and like it. That always makes me happy, um, for sure. I want it to be fun for people to listen to, but also informative. So, anyways, before we get into your life and what brought you to this point and all the amazing things that you're doing, we always answer one question, right? What is one thing that you can tell the listeners and viewers that can help them get out of the revenue maze? It. It may be the question, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the question. Um, I think when you consider what business is, I think it's all about people, right? And so my very straightforward answer is that you really have to get the human components of business right. Um, and and that, may, that may sound like too generic an answer, so I can elaborate just a little bit. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, give us a little bit of pointers because it is, I mean, that's, that's very important. So give us some pointers. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the first things that I talk to uh, anybody that I mentor or anybody that I do business with is you have to remember that we as human beings, we want to think that we are logical and that we just happen to occasionally have feelings. And <laughs> in fact, we are. Very, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But really, in fact, we are emotional beings who flatter ourselves and think that we have good logic, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to making decisions, I mean, you're always funneling those decisions through the emotional centers of your brain. And so I, I think it's really important to know what is my emotional state when I'm making a big decision? Can I anticipate your emotional state if you're one of my colleagues or one of my customers? Uh, or can I outright ask you if I feel comfortable enough? And, you know, when we do that, we make much, much better decisions, right? The other thing is that, you know, the emotional centers of the brain don't understand time. And so, you know, emotions can kind of tamp down if you just give it enough time and really rethink 
uh, you know, what, what, what is my reasoning behind this decision, right? Uh, if you're about to send off an email and it, you're red hot about it, you know, it may not be the right time to send it. You might have to reconsider and, and think about it. Um, so just, just being aware that we are emotional creatures. I think that's, that's one big piece of it. Um, and stemming from that is the other big element of, you know, the human factor in business. Yeah. And that's, we have to be kind to each other. It is, it is so easy to get into the mode of, you know, we have to make this decision. We have to decide, you know, what, what are we, you know, what is our new project and how are we approaching that project? You get so into the weeds of that, that sometimes the niceties of life get lost and the niceties of life are the best part of life. You know, when you meet somebody who's new and that you're bringing into your business or that you're, you're, you know, trying to conduct business with, gosh, getting to know them can be, you know, 90% of the joy in your workday, right? Um, so I would say that, you know, uh, finding a way of always being kind, even when the other person in the room may not be, uh, at, at least you can hold your head high in how you acted. So I think you've got to lead with kindness. Yeah, you can hold your head high is a very important part of of that dialogue, because even if the outcome isn't the, the way that you would have liked it, you behave properly, you can go home and live with yourself, right? I mean, that's, that's one of the, <laughs> it's like, at least I was kind. I mean, there's not, there's not, yeah. And I love that you say that there's emotion, you know, we are emotional beings. I think you and I've talked about this when we talk, you know, I, I can't remember if it was Simon, Simon Sinek's start with why, but he, he brings that out because we have a lot, we have a lot of things that we talk about is data driven, right? But when I'm training like a sales team or even a CEO or founder, I will quite often say to that CEO or founder, um, you know, I can give you all the data in the world, but eventually you will buy on emotion right? You the will truth. make that decision on emotion. I, I remember working with an engineer one time and I gave him every, you know, everything out and said, these are, these are the data points for why this would mitigate all the risk, all of that kind of stuff. And I love data. Everybody knows I love data, but then it's eventually he was like hammering down on the table. He's like, but I still need more. And I said, I don't understand this. The next is a crystal ball to say absolute, right? <laughs> so you right. are going to have to make a decision based on what your feelings are with the data that I presented to you, right? right. Because it hasn't happened yet. I can't give you a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's your choice. And it's emotional. Right. And it's one of those, I, I just love that. And I'd love some examples from your life. Now I, you brought this up. I, so I've got to bring this up. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're both Trek fans. We kind of talked about this, right? We are I, I, I even fans. wore my special Star Trek tie for you today. <laughs> Thank right? you for doing good, that. Good stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fire, fire away. <laughs> Well, we know Spock, right? Yeah. If you're a Trek fan, you know Spock. And if you don't, you're not a Trek fan, then go figure out who Spock is. But everything, he's always got this battle between logic, which is what you talked about right now, right. and then 
it is the emotions, right? And he's always trying to um, stifle the emotional side of his fence, right? Always, that's the give and take, the human play on it. Eventually, you know, you always have whoever the captain is that he's talking to, whether it's a new generation Pike or if you're a Captain Kirk or whoever it is. And it's like, just make a decision. Well, I presented the ideas and data. Now you have to decide, right? I mean. It's true. I mean, yeah. If you don't key into that emotional center, then, uh, and, and I love the way that Simon Sinek talks about it. He says, the expressions that we come up with are things like, well, it just doesn't feel right. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, because you have to use the verb feel if you really are talking about decision making. And so, no, you're you absolutely uh, hit the nail on the head. In my early days as a trainer, uh, I was taught that the secret is to ask two questions at the end of whatever you've taught. Does this make sense? And oh. does this feel right? Right. So if you say, does this make sense? And does this feel right? Now, now you've got them trying to use all parts of their brain to evaluate. Did I get it? Yeah, yeah. I love that. You know, I'm going to add that to any, any kind of one-to-one with um, anybody I'm working with, right? Is, does this feel right? Cause I always say, was this useful? We always go through the debrief, but I have not used the words, does this feel right? Cause to me, that's a given you should be tapping in to that. Um, I, it's Chris Voss. He uses the term that's right versus that's right versus you're right. Yeah. 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 Chris, yeah. Chris Voss is really good uh, in terms of, and for those of you who don't know, Chris Voss uh, never split the difference. Yep. Uh, Black Swan. Um, yeah. <laughs> He talks an awful lot about uh, trying to negotiate with somebody and show them that you're on the same side. Well, that's not logic. That's, you know, can we can we be a team? Can we yeah. move forward together? I mean, part of it is kindness. Part of it is you still need to be firm, but you want to feel like you're heading in the same direction, right? Um, so, yeah, you know, whenever, whenever I think about, you know, um, observing other people in the workplace mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what is their emotional state? How are they handling this thing? You can be in a business meeting and you can see that somebody, when a topic comes up or when something comes up in a certain way, they can get like, there's this outsized emotional reaction. And you're like, gosh, where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and it's probably from something in their past, you know, maybe it's some sort of a limiting belief or, you yeah. know, just, just how they were raised or, or something that's just really tender. And so if, if you feel like you can circle back to that person and say, what, what was that all about? I, I, I'm on your side and I want to champion you. I want to support you, but I need to kind of understand what that was so that I can do it better. And so can you just tell me what was going on in that moment when, you know, so-and-so brought the thing up and then you just really wanted to change the topic, you know, can you tell me? Um, yeah. It, and are you familiar at all with um, Kristen Hadid? I don't know if you've ever. You no, know, you know, I'm not familiar with her. No, I probably should add that to my, my book list, but yeah, she's, tell me. she's got a great book called uh, permission to screw up. Oh, and <laughs> yeah. Oh man. She's, she's really good. A lot of CEOs come to her and ask for advice on how to 
how to really be vulnerable and how to talk what's truth. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite things that she talks about is limiting beliefs. Yeah. She has an exercise where she will, you know, give you a list of phrases and things and, that you can look at and say, does this resonate with me? Do I have an outsized emotional reaction to one of these particular phrases? And mm -hmm. when you really dig deep and you start picking away at the scab and trying to understand what is that, um, you find out that there could be this big thing you bring to the table all the time to every negotiation. And if you understand it, you can harness the positive side of it. And if you don't understand it, the negative side is always going to pop up. So yeah. You know, no, I'm, yeah. I'm going to write that book down because um, I'm a big fan of Shirzad Charmin's positive intelligence, where he talks about the sage side of the brain versus the, the saboteur side, which is a similar thing and using words like yes and versus, but, and some of those training techniques. Right. Yeah. Um, but and then I use the word, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's ingrained, right? <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I just felt like I should like package you in a little like box and have you on my shoulder when I'm working with people to, to just kind of have that soothing voice to remove that self-limiting behavior you know because that's that's usually it is it's it's because somebody in the back something happened that triggered in the back um I always have uh my teams do disc assessments so that I know how to communicate with them in their style right because sure. that that can trigger an event as well I just feel like um you know, especially in the revenue maze, if our consumers, now this is where we kind of get down to, and it depends on who you are on who your consumer is, right? Right. If our consumers also make decisions based on emotion, right? Sure. Yeah. Then being able to train sales reps, whatever, to try to do those techniques are going to increase your sales. Right. I mean, that's because they have to be able to get in, talk to somebody and identify quickly what maybe their self-limiting beliefs will be. And it's not about them. It's about the consumer. Right. So I bet you you have techniques for, for all of that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. If you want to be agile today. Right. Yeah. If you really want to implement quickly and you want to make the right decisions, the best decisions, sure. then you have to really be thinking about all aspects of these these human interactions and these limiting beliefs that people bring to the table. Um, my my boss at my day job, uh, I work in pharmaceutical uh, uh, research and development, and uh, he talks about moving at the speed of trust. You know, oh, I if like that, <laughs> yeah, if, if you're in the middle of trying to work with a team you don't you you could be under a time crunch where you are trying to deliver you know some sort of a medicine to patients who are really desperately in need right they 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 have hope and they have great worry and so you're trying to deliver as fast as you can so interacting with your teammates the faster you can do it, the more you can hear something in the tone of somebody's voice and you can immediately address things and immediately get down to business. Oh my gosh, it makes things so much easier and so much faster. If you feel like you can't speak up, 
because it's not a safe environment, right? There's no emotional safety. There's no psychological safe space to say something. Then you're not, it's a guarantee. You're not going to be making the best decisions and you're not going to be moving quickly. Or if you're moving quickly, it's down the wrong path. And that's, that's what we can't afford to do for any kind of customer in any business, right? You don't want to go down the wrong path because somebody was too afraid to say, Hey, I think there's a better way. And I know this might hurt your feelings because I know you really like the way that you want to pursue, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, one, one really cool technique uh, to make sure everybody gets heard is you start off every meeting with a round robin and you just say, Hey, let's just check in with everybody. Let's find out, you know, uh, what, what's one thing everybody at the table is grateful for. It doesn't take very long. You get to know each other. You let down your guard. Uh, it really humanizes people when you hear about their gardens and their pets and their anniversaries and, and all of those good things. Um, but it makes everybody psychologically ready to speak up for the rest of the meeting. If they spoke up in the first five minutes, they're ready to talk. Right. And so that's that's one really good uh, game changer that I have found is, you know, get everybody to talk. The other is if you have to brainstorm some sort of idea, have everybody take three minutes and write down two or three ideas. Don't listen to each other. Don't put it in one place where everybody can kind of see it and benchmark what they're about to say off of what they see written, but have them write it down silently and then talk about the ideas that they came up with. Now, some will overlap, but some may bubble up that nobody was going to say out loud once they saw the first thing written. Like they'll yeah. think, oh, my idea is dumb, right? So those are just a couple of uh, a couple of ways that I make sure I interact with teams that I'm you know either developing or that I'm leading to try to make sure everybody gets heard and feels comfortable talking. You know that jogs something. Um, I know that Jay Williams, who was also on the podcast, he's constantly working to um, have his employees feel heard and and valued, right? And as and there's always ways that we're trying to do that. And it's, it kind of brought up in my mind, something that I need to start doing because I have forgotten about it, you know, in new product development in revenue, you cover new product, sales service and marketing, right? So you're kind of unifying those, those teams. And one of the things that we used to do is we would play that I, when you, when you bring in a peer advisory group, right. A group of the customers, you've got to do ideation sessions um, to get them free flowing, to not feel like it's a dumb idea. Right. Right. And so when you're talking about bringing that back to the teams, that's kind of the yes end game. It's like, well, I have a pink elephant and, and you start with a stupid comment. So nobody feels, you know, go, and I could tell you after we get off the show, I'll tell you about a time when I had to sing. I, I was singing because I sang opera for like 18 years, you know, oh, and wow. I had, I was at a recital and I. Are you had, mezzo? Where, where are you in range? Where, where do you sing? A coloratura soprano. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and, and so um, one time, okay, I'll share the story because it, it exposes, it's vulnerable, right? Yeah. I was, and um, I was, I started a recital and this was students. This was way back when I was younger, but I started off a recital and, um, and I think it was to try, it, well, there's all varying levels of singers at those recitals, right? And 
apparently I was a good one. I'm just saying that, but I'm not saying that for, you know, anyways, I was good. And so we started, and I don't know why we started off, but we started off with me, but I was singing something from Mozart and I was singing in an old German. And when we were, when we were doing that, um, I quickly and promptly forgot all the words, you know, of course, then in my Star Trek love, I, started singing basically we called it Klingon (laughs) the challenge that we had though seriously the challenge that we had was that somebody did know that song that was in that group right and because they did know they knew and I looked over at that person and she was busting up and she happened to be a friend of mine she was busting up and we were like, and I just lost it after that because I started laughing. So the whole group started laughing. Everybody started laughing. And I just said, can I please just start this again? And right. they're like, yes, you're welcome to start this again. So then, of course, we went through and did it again. Moral of the story is they were all relaxed after that. Sure. We could see that it's okay to make permission to make a mistake, right? Just like right. what you were saying. And so they were given the permission and they sang better than they have ever sang. Cause you had some very beginner students in, in some of these master classes, you know, recitals that you would be a part of. So anyway, so there's my Klingon story, but as you start coaching those groups in your, that you are being a leader with just throwing something and saying, okay, we're going to write down these anonymous ideas or throwing something that says, yeah, we're checking in and we're doing this ideation session that is yes. And so here's a pink elephant and yes. And it brings to mind something, you know, and it gets people to kind of calm down for sure. And he just reminded me to do that. I I have not been doing that, right? I have not been going in. I've been in in the fractional world. I've been running in. Here's our meeting. Here we go. And and not treating people the way that my full-time equivalent, when you start thinking about that. And I I just love that reminder. Thank you. Thank you so much (laughs) for the reminder. So how... I know you're writing a book and all of those things, and I'm super excited for it to come out as well. And we'll have to share the book that the books that you have mentioned here. How did you get to this point? How did you start to understand all of this and what you're teaching people? And I'm sure the book kind of goes into that, but then again, you did write a children's book on 62 astronauts. So I'm not exactly (laughs) sure what the book is about. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so the book that I'm working on right now, which is, you know, you mentioned that writer's retreat that I had gone to up in Franconia, New Hampshire, glorious this time of year. Um, I went up there with seven (laughs) other writers and, uh, and two uh, coaches for writing and a performance coach. And we, we had such a great time. And it's funny because I had maybe three different ideas of what I could write. You know, I, I I knew I was going to go there for a week. I wanted to really make sure that this was a meaningful experience. I didn't want to come out of there and say, I got all jammed up and I just didn't, I couldn't make anything flow. And I was pursuing an idea because I just thought I had to, I, I didn't want that to be the tale. Yeah. Right. So uh, I got off the plane in Manchester. I hopped in my rental car. And as I was driving, I said, okay, I'm going to set aside my other ideas. What's the right book for me to write right now? Yeah. And so I just, I thought about, you know, what's, what can I authentically speak to? 
So I'm running a programming academy at the pharmaceutical company where I work. And so it's really young, very early career talent, you know, very technically minded people, very young people. And I'm also a father. And so, you know, having a son who's 19 years old and teaching all of these young people who are in their early 20s, I realized, oh my gosh, I have deep concern about people who are affected by the pandemic, right? They all got locked away in their rooms. And we, these were the people that we said, oh, you, they're probably self-sufficient enough, right? They're probably okay. We're, we're worried about the nurses. We're worried about the elderly and the sick. We're worried about the little kids sitting in moms and dad's laps yeah. who are trying to work from home while the kids are trying to do distance learning. We're worried about those groups of people. Yeah. But the people who were really scarred were the ones that we all kind of said, you've got this, right? You, like, you know how to drive cars and you're thinking about colleges, you're taking SATs, you've got this, right? Yeah. And what I think happened was there are a lot of people who were, you know, 15 to say 21 who got hit bad by this pandemic. Yes. And yeah. And so, so that I suddenly realized that's the audience that I need to try to capture, right? Or the moms and the dads, the proud uncles, or, you know, the grandparents who want to give a graduation gift. What kind of gift would they want to give them? They want to give them peace of mind. They want to tell them it's going to be okay. And they want to tell them, how do you reconnect with a world where you were just told people are so dangerous that if they breathe on you, it could kill you? How do you reconnect after that? Right? Yeah. So so that's the book. Um, It is called In Kind. And the intent is to give really good ideas of how do you reconnect how do you connect for the first time with a whole new set of you know, colleagues? How do you find a mentor? How do you find a coach? How do you fit in into a community? How do you build a community in your new workplace? Um, and so that's that's what this book attempts to do is it, it really lays bare a lot of the things that I took as wrong turns when I was <laughs> a student. So I'm making myself really vulnerable. There's some some stories I did not want to tell, but that I have started telling in this book. Um, and yeah, I, I think that by exposing, hey, I didn't go through the same thing you did, but I did have anxiety. I did have, you know, difficulties trying to figure out how to make it all work as an early, you know, early, you know, uh, employee and early professional. Uh, And so maybe some of what I have in here is the kind of advice that you need to make these great connections. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wow. I love that. That's truly impactful. And I believe there was a statistic and I can't remember what university, but it was pretty much on the topic that you're talking about the reconnection and the suicide rate that has occurred as more of the pandemic than the pandemic, right? And trying to get to a point. So there was a professor and I I wish I could think of the name off the top of my head because it would be fabulous for you guys to connect. I can try to look it up. But um, in that university, it was astounding numbers that enrolled in her course, like just astounding. And um, I forget, it's Michelle Tillis Lederman. I don't know if you're familiar with her Connectors Advantage book. I'm, I'm not. 
but I okay. Well, she uses in there. She uses a TED talk in there from a BYU Brigham Young University professor that talks <laughs> about connection and lifespan, right? Oh, and you're talking that. about reconnection, and so there's an entire study that had occurred, and this was pre-pandemic, right? This study, and um, and basically longevity in life and health determinants based around all of this connection. If people cannot connect, right? So you're talking, how do I reconnect? What are the coaches? What are the mentors? What can I do, especially in that age range that really. Most of the time, the people who aren't talking are the ones that you should be a little nervous about, right? And I I love that you are writing this book in kind. Um, I have no idea when you're launching. Um, how, what's your goal? What's your goal? Uh, the, the goal right now is to try to get it out uh, in April of this next year. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I am cruising along because it, the book, the book, so far is just pouring out of me and my writing team just says, you know, we'll clean it up. Just, just, <laughs> just keep, keep on writing, <laughs> putting these ideas out and we'll, we'll, you know, pick it up and post. It'll be fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it really is exciting. Um, there are stories, like I said, that I don't want to tell from my own past, yeah. but I think that it's my own limiting beliefs and it's my own experiences where I got it wrong. And then other experiences where I did finally get it right that helped me really figure out what do I need to study? How can I grow? How can I learn more? Um, you, you were talking about the idea of having better connection and having a longer life. Well, I, I, if you're familiar at all with Sean Acor, uh, The Happiness Advantage uh, mm -hmm. and The Big Potential, oh my gosh, that is such a great book talking about how you know, it's, it's the entire constellation of you and the people in your circle that, yeah. that that's what can make things glow brightly together, right? Superstars, you know, they, they come and they go, but if you are part of a team where there's a lot of trust and there's a lot of connection, you become uber successful, incredibly successful. Um, Project Aristotle over at Google has really shown that to be true. If you have psychological sure. safety and you have a good team, then you are much more effective than if you plucked a lot of superstars and shoved them together into a group where they don't feel connection, right? Yeah, and there's there's definitely stats behind that. So I there's another book I want to read. I you're you're pulling these out, and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to add that. I've got, I yeah, I'm an avid reader as well. So I I will get to it, and we will lot we will catalog all of those wonderful things at the end of the show for sure. Yeah, we are we are kindred uh, bookworms. Yes, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Uh-oh, we are Trek fans, sci-fi geeks, and bookworms. We're, we're the geek squad. We can wear it with pride, you know? We can wear it with pride. <laughs> okay, okay. So in the last few minutes, I would, you know, there are so many wonderful things that I think humanize you, obviously, you, you talked about your son, you've talked about um, just uh, your family and your life and that kind of stuff. What, what do you do in your free time other than be a sci-fi geek and an author and, uh, you know, what's fun for you? Oh my gosh. Uh, and that's obviously. fun, I know. 
Yeah, yeah. All of those things are fun. And yeah, reading for sure is is high on my list. Um, gosh, uh, I, I guess engaging in growth experiences is really big for me. So that is reflected in the, you know, visualizing what is the future through Star Trek. You know, yeah. if you want a hopeful future, you look at Star Trek. Yes, right? you do. <laughs> right? So, so there's, there's a lot of that. And then there's what you would probably call non-geek stuff, which is, I love hiking. I love getting outside in nature. Yeah. I love, you know, tenting and just camping. Um, I think that is a blast uh, because if you forget that you're on a planet right now that you can go explore at any moment, then I, I think you've really lost some of what it means to be human. And so, so I love that. Um, and I, I just love connecting with other people. I mean, you know, when you reached out to me and we just started talking, I mean, it's just really good to know you. Right. Yeah. And so having these moments Likewise. of connection, thank you. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's, so I, I love going to conferences, uh, whether it's, you know, in the planetarium field. So, you know, I can learn how to give star shows better, or it's a writer's conference. So I can learn how to write better. If it's a SAS computer programming conference, that's <laughs> great. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's always going to be about the people because 15, 20 years from now, am I going to remember all of the little discussions that we had in all of those breakout sessions, or am I going to remember the faces of the people? It's absolutely the faces of the people. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I love spending time with my family, going out in the woods with the dogs, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, yeah, all the dog fans will love that too, for sure. <laughs> and the family fans. I, family for my, my family comes first always. So I'm like, okay, family first, then, you know, all this other stuff. But yeah, no, that is so fun. So what I love about this is... If anybody listening there, what the, what you should be hearing is Michael loves to connect, right? I mean, that is really, it's, it's a study of human nature. That's what he loves as his passion. Um, we're super excited about in kind coming out. So we'll see probably some releases on LinkedIn. Obviously I'm sure there's some kind of campaign under the works and um, yeah, but how can they connect with you? LinkedIn is probably your best bet at the moment. Um, if you want to see my my website, which is currently being revised a bit to try to bring in some more information about the book, uh, it's michaelgneese.com. Uh, and niece is spelled weird. It's N-E-E-C-E. -E. Uh, but yeah, michaelgneese.com is, is a good place to look for me. But uh, I'm always on LinkedIn. I think that's how we connected, right? That's how we found yeah, each Yeah, we other. connected through LinkedIn. Yeah. No, that's great. And I... I love that. I I really, really love this episode. I think you're spot on, super excited about what you're doing for the future and for all of us, really. And uh, yeah, thank you all the listeners, viewers. Um, this has been another great episode of The Revenue Maze. And thank you again, Michael. Thank you so much, Valerie. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, exchange more book lists with you so we can <laughs> chat more. Um, before we go, can can you just tell me the story about Star Trek? Because you had alluded to the fact that you've done some writing around this. Oh. <laughs> I want to know. I have to know. That was the geek part of me. Um, yeah. Back when my kids were really little, I... I grew up on Star Trek. I remember I actually did a proposal about autonomous vehicles. Um, did a proposal with the 10 things. It was called So Long Palm. 
because mm. it was about the market space and being be beaten out in the market space. And there were, and it, we used 10 things that are in reality today from Star Trek tablets, you name it. I mean, it was, it, it was all this kind of stuff. But back in the day, and no, we don't usually tag on at the very end, but I'm happy to answer the question. Back in the day, I really got excited about the futuristic because Next Generation had just released. It was in the 90s and my kids were little and I'm like, I need a project. I need a project. I'm going to learn how to write a script and I'm going to probably not get it accepted but the journey is going to be so fantastic. So I went through the whole process. I had this coach that helped me in script writing. He reviewed all of it. And yes, I sent it in and no, it didn't get accepted. However, there was a very similar episode that came out after that. So I will say it may not have gotten accepted, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. and I, it was just, the thing that I loved about it is space and science fiction. A lot of it does come reality because become reality, because if you can imagine it, you can create it. We yeah. as human beings don't always have the capacity to understand physics or things that are right in front of our faces right. until somebody thinks it up and then goes, Hmm. I, in fact, I was interviewing somebody the other day. We talked about the very same thing is People do not always see, they know scientific theory, so we accept it as fact most of the time until it changes. That's really scientific theory, right? It's, we believe it to be true until it's disproven, right? And 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 that's, yeah. so at the end of the day, I was just like, what better forum to, to let my mind go wild, but on a Star Trek writing episode. <laughs> Right. Right. Well, and it's also a practice in, you know, in the academy that I run. Um, it, one of our sayings is we are building the future we want to live in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can tell that you are absolutely a believer in that. That's what I love about you is that you, you're <laughs> trying to envision where where can we go? Right. I mean, the whole idea of the revenue maze, the whole concept of how are we delivering better for our customers? How are we, you know, advancing humanity towards something that's better than what it is? That is the best practice, right? That's yeah. that's where the real fun is. I mean, you can shake your fist and get angry about certain things that you're hearing about in the news, but you and I, we're trying to do things about making that future come true that we want. Um, and that's, yeah, that's priceless. It's powerful because my mission for Revenue North Star, which is a company that I have a partner out of Scotland um, that actually um, funds this show, we were, we were talking about my mission because originally it was, my company was Lodestar and my mission was literally that, my mission statement, or depending on who you're following, it could be a vision statement, it depends on the definition, right? But yeah. anyways, it is that businesses can change lives faster than government can. And why do they do that? Because you have the ability to, if, if we can think about it, if we can get people out of the revenue maze, right? If you can start growing a company 
you provide jobs, you provide opportunities, new products get released that solve challenges for the future. And all of those things, yes, in some arenas, you're in the pharmaceutical industry, right? And in some of that, you have to go through some government regulations to release, but the idea starts in that in that forum of what could be it doesn't matter what was yesterday what could be for the future and i just love it so anyways this is an odd podcast because we have now broken our script <laughs> <laughs> but we've revealed you know what we believe and that's uh, true <laughs> what, what a cool mission though i mean the whole idea of yeah um advancing uh so that you can get barriers broken down so yeah. that you're helping more people love it yeah because i can't like anybody i can't back something that isn't changing lives you know for my passion anybody who's true to their passion my passion is i don't care what the widget or the company is i care what they're changing and mm -hmm. we get in and we start working through that and yeah, the podcast has been a blast because I've met so many amazing game-changing people. You know, um, it's been great. It's it's been really fun. So thank you for asking that question. I was surprised by it. Obviously, I think we I thought we already kind of weaved that, but anyways, yeah, that was a fun episode. And anybody who is listening, you guys should reach out to Michael. It's it's obviously therapeutic, if nothing else, right? <laughs> <laughs> definitely you go you go away going wow this is so much fun and i can do this so awesome yeah, Michael. Corey, thank you again it's been so much fun and it's been a privilege to be here so yeah uh let's talk again soon yep thank you <laughs> thanks thank you all for joining another great episode for show notes links and resources visit revenuemaze.com Hats off to all you small businesses out there. I can't wait for the next episode.